Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When did you last buy a newspaper? I don't mind a Sunday Times. Supplements spread over my duvet, best ingested with pastry and coffee. But that's a luxury for a weirdo interested in politics and journalism. It's not my primary source of news. That's the internet. Mostly Twitter, WhatsApp and YouTube. The further you go back in British history, the more outlandish it becomes to suggest that the papers are not that primary source. And at times, the Sun's position in the print landscape was imperious, supplying small talk and gossip ammunition, wrecking or emboldening political careers. And while its influence still exists, mostly because broadcast journalists use the Sun and other papers to inform and dictate their own coverage, it is significantly diminished. How and why? Chris Horry is a journalism lecturer and the author of Stick It Up Your Punter, the uncut story of the Sun newspaper. My name's Ollie Dugmore, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Chris Horry, hello. Hi there. How are you? Great. Very All glad. the better for being on Politics Joe. Very glad to have new you wave, here. The new yeah. wave of news. That's us. That's us. Um, before we start, um, we're here to talk about The Sun, the BBC, a um, whole host of issues there, particularly in recent weeks. Mm. But first, could I ask you to tell me who you are? How would you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm a journalist and I've been a, an academic as well and a lecturer. I've written probably about 13 books in various... Um, various uh, editions, most of them spectacular flops except one about the Sun newspaper, which became an unexpected hit, because everything I think is interesting, most people think it's boring, and <laughs> when I think it's boring, everybody seems to like it, but there you are. And so yeah. here, here we are, here we are talking about the Sun yeah, newspaper. Yeah, that book's done well, it became a Hollywood movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been lifted and plagiarised for West End plays and frequently held in evidence against the Sun yeah, are you... uh, as one of the greatest cultural abominations of all time. I'm not sure it's 
quite the most <laughs> worst thing, but it certainly suits me commercially. Very good, very good. Well, let's stick to it then. Yeah. Let's stick to it. Um, so obviously we're talking, because just over a week ago, the Sun broke a story alleging that a BBC presenter had taken been taken off air, and this is a quote, after paying teenager for sexual pictures. Mm. Since then, the presenter has been revealed to be Hugh Edwards. Mm-hmm. The Met Police has said that no criminal activity had taken place, and the young person contacted the BBC via their lawyer to say that, quote, nothing unlawful or inappropriate had happened, and that they had sent a denial to The Sun before the initial story was published. How would you describe the way that The Sun reported this story? For them, it's a good story, but it's, it's not a great story, because I imagine the first reaction of uh, a Sun reader, in fact, almost anybody under about 40, um, to this story would be, who the hell is Hugh Edwards? Uh, and then when they hear of what he's been accused of, uh, the next reaction is going to be, so what? Mm. Uh, so it's a kind of a bit of a workaday story. But the Sun, it's a talking story. They have this jargon. It means it goes there, it hits the chattering classes. I mean, here we are in Islington yes. uh, talking about it. Yes. Uh, and so you get a kind of ripple effect and everybody's talking about the Sun. So people, many people, the Sun's paid-for circulation has collapsed yep. uh, because it really can't compete with the Internet. The Internet is a tabloid journalism on steroids in every single way. So, uh, again, many of the older generation would have thought, well, the sun, is that still going? Mm. So, uh, and now everybody will be reminded of the fact because it's exactly where it wants to be, in the middle of a huge spat um, with a kind of a sexual element to it, but that's not really foregrounded here. It's not one of them sex things, really. Mm. They're not in the foreground. Um, it's a loathsomeness issue. Uh, and um, they're able to pose again exactly where they want to be, which is on the side of the little person, the ordinary, uh, the ordinary person against uh, the establishment. And here, fair play to them, they've hit the bullseye of the British establishment, the main stentorian, is, is that the word <laughs> we'll later, um, news announcer of the BBC, practically a member of the royal family. Yeah. possibly a more important <laughs> figure in the British Constitution <laughs> than the uh, somewhat raggedy uh, excuse for a monarchy we have these days, intoning on royal funerals. And, and uh, you know, if there was a 9-11 in Britain, he'd be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the time he's getting up to things which is, uh, well, I don't, we don't really know the full detail, but on a spectrum somewhere between risible and uh, loathsome. Mm-hmm. And do you see the, the positioning, a uh, b- bit of a tangent here, but uh, you mentioned there, right, a talking story and mm. the role that the newspapers now play, which is almost in informing discourse and debate, i.e., you know, in, in, a, in a newsroom, uh, broad- broadcast newsroom, be, the papers will be out and the producers are leafing through them looking for stories, looking for things. And, and in a way, the papers almost... They have a lower circulation, but that circulation is an influential one. The people that still pay attention to what they're saying are then dictating what's being said in other media. Well, when you look at news, um, my great social and scientific uh, discovery Mm. um, uh, 20 or more years ago was, uh, and it hadn't dawned on the newspapers yet, was that they'd lost the battle for news to television. It took them like... (laughs) <laughs> 10 or 20 years, took them all the 70s mm. to realise that in terms of news, like mm, football results, for example, gen- genuine stuff that's happening that you don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they were well behind, uh, first of all, radio and then television. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Now, what's happened in the last 10 years or so is the Sun, and in fact any newspaper, uh, the posh ones as well as the red tops, uh, have totally lost the battle to the internet and specifically to things like Twitter. So most people get their hot news about uh, whether Man United have signed a new centre-back or whatever, or mm. the latest sex rumours about the royal family. <laughs> they get that from Twitter. You know, it's five, six hours later when the... Uh, newspapers, all the newspapers, not just the Sun, drop in the news agents, and you can read the same thing. Mm -hmm. So they, if they're still going to have a business, they're going to go after off the news agenda. They're going to have to do things, frankly, like this, which is talk about the news, have uh, an interesting angle, or just dig things out, uh, which are not on the, like the formal news agenda. Mm -hmm. but they're in second place completely now to Twitter, Instagram, and all the rest of it. So they, you know, their business is declining. So how can you still persuade people to part with the best pound of a uh, best part of a pound now for the sun, mm. unless it does key things that it's funny, it's got a funny take on the news, it's scandalous, it's uh, uh, you know got more angles than a protractor, as they say, <laughs> and uh, you know Hugh Edwards is perfect for this. I mean, legally the the story was sound, you know, because the parents are making the allegation. Uh, and it's a sworn affidavit. Now, in terms of journalism, particularly tabloid journalism, but all tabloid journalism, the truth means something that will stand up in a court. Yep. And if you've got an affidavit, that's an old-fashioned word, a witness statement, and they've sworn it, legally, we have to be careful what we're saying about the parents. There is a phenomena of checkbook journalism, mm. um, which was kind of out of control in the 70s, but... The legal system came down like a ton of bricks on that in terms of contempt of court and uh, grooming witnesses and all the rest of it. But the Sun, as they emphasised over and over again, this is a sworn statement by the parents. And if it is untrue, and we have no indication that the parents were lying, let's emphasise that Absolutely. to be fair to them and for legal reasons, then uh, don't pick, don't take it up with us. Don't shoot the messenger. Mm -hmm. um, we, as journalists, if you look in the code of conduct and indeed in various um, judgments in the High Court, uh, reporters have uh, a responsibility to report things. Not uh, so. So, in other words, they couldn't suppress this report. They mm -hmm. couldn't cover it up mm -hmm. uh, once they'd known about it. So, they, the Sun is pretty much home and hosed on this. I think. Okay, home and hose legally, uh, legal yes. justification for publishing it. Do you think there's an editorial justification for publishing it? Do you think there's a public interest in this story? Yes, I, I think there is a public interest in somebody who has the prominence in public life of uh, Hugh Edwards. Um, he must expect an extra degree of scrutiny. Now, if you or I get up to something stupid or horrible, um, unless unless it is illegal or unless it's endangering somebody, then it's kind of it's nobody's business. But rather like the royal family uh, and other senior people in public life, Hugh Edwards got to expect this. Now, is the son being hypocritical about this? Mm. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because all tabloid journalism is really built on hypocrisy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it was Kudlip himself that sometimes who, who worked, may well have worked in this very building here in Clerkenwell, mm. um, where the mirror was based, said, you know, nobody ever went bust underestimating the taste, and for that matter, decency of the general public. And they're in the sell it high, the pilot high, sell it cheap business. 
and people I don't think people would be vastly interested in what Hugh Edwards gets up to especially younger people that just shrug but they've heard of him they've seen him they think it's a bit funny and weird it's kind of almost worth mentioning in the pub uh, maybe you can make a, a lame joke about it somehow uh, so it's in the paper it's part of the mix is it all time humding a story for the son? No, it's just day in, day out business. Mm-hmm. And in your view, that public interest, because of Hugh's position in Hugh Edwards' position within the BBC, the public interest outweighs his right to privacy. Yes. Um, you, I think if you are a public figure like him, mm-hmm. you must expect a very high degree of. Um, of investigation and intrusion into your privacy. Now, the BBC, talking about hypocrisy, they've also done it. There was the case of Cliff Richard just a couple of years ago, a person where I don't think they even had an affidavit. They just had rumours. Yeah. Uh, and they uh, they um, they staked him out, basically. I think they hired a, a helicopter. I mean, they tele- to, televised to a raid on his house. Yeah, yeah. kind of live rolling now to the Cliff Richards. There was no uh, justification for that other than... Maybe they'd been the light entertainment world again, treading, um, treading very carefully, mm-hmm. uh, had been exposed in uh, quite serious uh, wrongdoing. Uh, and Cliff Richard was of a certain generation and he was of a certain propensity to appear on a certain top of the pop. So maybe they thought, well, we'd better get, a, better get our retaliation in first <laughs> on this one. Um, so, yeah, if you're in. In public life, I mean, people in public life, they have PR people. Mm. They have, you know, Hugh Edwards. I'm, I don't know the detail here. I don't want to be wrong. Yep. But he'll have memoirs and he'll have my great days reporting the news. And he'll have a PR person trying to get him on politics, Joe, and everything else. <laughs> so you can't choose. Um, and even on things that are not watched anymore, like Newsnight. So, um, <laughs> uh, except by crazy people. <laughs> but... Um, uh, you know, if you if you if you go into the kitchen, we're talking about tabloids, so let's let's spray the cliches about as much as possible. Go for it. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the get kitchen. Out of the kitchen, yeah. Um, it, would... I, I was surprised actually that there was no rumor mill about him. Mm. So that was my initial skepticism, saying, "Well, hang on, this might be checkbook journalism. What's going on here?" Mm. Because how could he before. be involved in apparently what's been described as? Uh, Again, not scientifically, some kind of nervous breakdown, mm. and nobody's noticed it <laughs> yeah. until um, until furious parents start knocking on the BBC's door with sworn statements. Uh, surely that's a bit of a failure of, uh, of management. I mean, all of us have been in teams, and I've even led teams, and sometimes you have people who clearly are, well, frankly, in a gloomy move, just staring at the wall for hours and hours, and you have to go up and put a shoulder around saying. Uh, can we give you any counselling? Mm. <laughs> that doesn't seem to have happened at the BBC. So BBC management failure mm. again. Chris, what do you think the mood will be in the Sun's offices today and over recent days? Do you think they'll view this as a success? It's a moderate success. Um, I, for a fantasy, they they have those uh, those old-fashioned hunting uh, trophies, you know, on a shield, like a tiger and a bison. I don't know what Hugh Edwards. <laughs> he's certainly not a rhino. I mean, he's. Um, it's not like bringing down um, some of the big names in the past. 
Mm-hmm. And do you think they're... I think, I think a lot of their audience doesn't watch BBC News, doesn't care about BBC News. Um, so it's not a humdinger like... It, it's not like, say, a Premier League footballer. Got you. And there is a, there is the, a broader interest here, though, within News UK and News Corp because mm. of Rupert Murdoch's well-documented opposition. Mm. to the BBC. I mean, David Yelland has mentioned, previous editor of The Sun, David Yelland has mentioned how in one of sort of his first few weeks, he wrote mm. a leader sort of castigating the Beeb, knowing that it would curry favour mm. with Murdoch. Do you think it serves that purpose as well for them? Full disclosure, I worked briefly uh, on the staff of the BBC as okay. a reporter, uh, and a couple of the uh, books I've uh, written, which have been well, well reviewed, were essentially campaigning to uh, preserve uh, the BBC against the relentless uh, campaign of privatisation that uh, not just the Murdoch press, because the Daily Mail is probably even more aggressive, yeah. but certainly the, the uh, BBC's commercial rivals who um, wanted to see it either abolished or perhaps uh, cut down to a kind of safety net service. I mean, the BBC is one of the great public institutions of like social democratic Britain mm. you know of the, of the 60s and 70s like the NHS and free university places all that kind of jazz mm. uh, it was kind of like the NHS of news it was dull uh, you know you had to queue up and it was all hassle hassle everything but basically it wouldn't kill you yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't get diabetes <laughs> from watching it whereas uh, <laughs> the tabloids were much tastier and spicier and everything like that. so they wanted the, the Fair play in, in a free society, in a capitalist society, a market society. These are businesses. And it's hard to run a news business against the BBC as was. Mm. Because it was news, news, you know, you could watch news round the clock. Pretty reliable, well-resourced, international news, local news, dozens of specialist correspondents. And that's one reason why the tabloids in Britain were so stupid. Or, or so silly, because they couldn't do the actual news. They had to fill in mm-hmm. with crazy stuff about celebrities and soft porn, like things that the BBC couldn't do. Soft porn, page yeah. three, wall-to-wall football stuff, because the BBC couldn't, because of the agreements they had with the FA. Mm-hmm. So they would find niches in the market. Mm-hmm. Now, because the BBC was so predominant in in hard news at the local level as well, so. They wanted it out of the way um, and perhaps reduced to a, a safety net service. Like, yep. that's the great horror with the NHS, isn't it? They wouldn't want to see it go entirely because they need something there to do, input, you know, religious broadcasting mm. or the royal weddings and the mm-hmm. royal funerals, which actually amongst young people, there isn't a big audience for that. Yep. But they're not going to get MPs voting to have a situation where you could have a coronation Mm. And all the media, politics, Joe, and the less serious tabloid media, you just say, well, that's dull, who cares? Some crazy man in a, in a metal hat. Let's have some more stuff about... Uh, uh, what do you... <laughs> West, Westminster politics or Richard, Richard Drax and his, yeah. his Dorset well, state. deep end, Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep forgetting. Exactly, you know it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We have never had it so good it's the politics show podcast you mentioned page three so let's just i think i think there's a re- that's an important reference point here because mm. before the sexual offenses act passed in 2003 changing the age at which you could print sexual images mm. came up to 18 the sun particularly in the case i'm thinking of sam fox i think it may also have happened maybe with lindsay dawn mckenzie mm. publishing topless photos of 16 year old girls mm. you mentioned earlier also the tabloids are built on hypocrisy. Mm. Do you think this is a clear case of mm. that hypocrisy in action? The Sun was happy to print sexual images of 16-year-olds, admittedly, about 40 years ago, and now it's sort of adopting the moral high ground to castigate Edwards. Do you think there's an angle there? It's a clear case of hypocrisy on the part of the Sun, mm. um, but also on the part of the general public, um, I feel. Um, they are based on w- one fundament of it is hypocrisy. Um, the next fundament is the very clever manipulation of the law and regulation. Pornography, I think, is as old as cavemen and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you've always made a, a pretty penny out of uh, pornography. Uh, again, uh, with my boring academic hat on, uh, I mean, when the printing press was <laughs> invented in the... 17th century um, it was originally a bible making machine mm-hmm. um, because uh, there were changes in Christianity and everybody had to read the bible in their own language we needed lots of bibles monks couldn't do it so they, necessity is another invention we get the printing press yeah. bibles, bibles, bibles and somebody works out you can print porn on it uh, and so in a non-stop <laughs> process of distributing uh, pornographic uh, Material. Now, the point is that porn has varied in its legality. That's the issue. Um, and porn of any sort was illegal in Britain even in the 60s for the newspapers. Essentially illegal. It certainly would have broken press regulation. But then the sun worked out if you wrote a story about the girl, a news story, and her job involved occasionally taking her clothes off, um, then you could run it. So the thing about page three, and the most, to me, and to many of the feminists and others who criticise it, was not so much the picture, because a beautiful topless woman is a beautiful topless woman. You have them in adverts, you have them in movies. Was the demeaning captions, the mocking captions that they had uh, about the women. But those were absolutely necessary Mm. to say, well, it's just a news story. So the first ones were all about, oh, there's a new trend towards topless bathing. 
So we spoke to a topless bathing girl, mm. uh, and then it was she was a posed porno picture. And then if the cops ever turned up and saying, "What are you up to?" She said, "Oh yeah, I am a topless bathing person, mm. really." And like she'd been paid fifty quid or whatever it was to do the the modelling thing. Mm-hmm. And then there was the hypocrisy because a lot of if you do an opinion poll, what do you think about pornography? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I never touch it and everything like that. Yeah. And then these things sell in their million on the internet i believe it's into the quintillions of some impressions of these things so yeah hypocrisy but hypocrisy all around right and cleverness you see lots of people don't like rupert murdoch he is portrayed after all as an evil fiend and a monster in succession and all the rest of it um that's not unreasonable <laughs> uh, but um he's also very clever and so are his lawyers and he's yeah. shot you know very sharp people i think sharp kind of scammy kind of clever trick you know tricky kind of way of approaching the world is is what they prize more than anything else mm. if you i think i think it's in the, the book. anything that gives them a competitive edge absolutely i, I think you, you describe in the book the sun and also the news of the world as being the cornerstone of murdoch's empire yeah, absolutely and it's just a fact just you just have to go and look at the numbers yeah there'd be no sky there'd be no fox There'd be no international empire, um, uh, particularly after the whopping dispute, where again, you know, the 70s, the trade union power and all the rest of it, that provided jobs for lazy people (laughs) (laughs) or underemployed people. He, the, he stripped all that out, and the Sun was just a license to print money beyond belief for a decade. Because the Sun, before he bought it in well, in 1969, was a broadsheet with a commitment to the labour movement. Mm. And that obviously changed. And could you, could you talk us through, well, his process, because he's been far from hands-off in, in, the, in the sun and how it's developed mm. and changed, particularly, mm. well, since then, but, yeah, whopping, et cetera. It's, it's an irony there, right? But. Uh, well, he, he, first of all, he's very committed to the idea that it's a business. Mm. That journalism doesn't have these highfalutin goals of uh, of enlightening the public, of whole, um, hypocritically, you'll say, well, we are the fourth estate. You know, who guards the guardians? Uh, we keep the politicians straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll do a bit of that, but basically, it's a business like selling sausages or selling anything. Mm. Um, so, how do you win? You make an exact. You study the market leader. Let's say it's Coca-Cola. Uh, and you want to get into the uh, fizzy drinks racket. Mm. So you study Coca-Cola. You make an exact copy of it, as close as copyright law will allow, (laughs) right? Um, So you say, oh, well, it's got this chemical and it's not that chemical. Is that okay? No, no, it's still just a Mm ripoff. So you have to change a bit more. You use the same branding. Mm. You use the same feel in the advert. You use the same distribution network, and you sell it for half the price. Mm. Then you wait for the market leader to go bust and you are now the market leader and you double the price and that's more or less you, yeah, you, you don't have to go to Peckham Business School yeah. <laughs> with Dell boys to learn yeah, yeah. but so that's all he's ever really done mm. he goes into markets particularly markets that are highly regulated like the British television market he looks at the BBC or ITV makes a copy of it Sky he um, or British satellite broadcasting real specialist they remember it he made an exact copy of it he cut out all the boring bits he emphasized all the sexy bits 
including actual sexy bits, like with the thumb, and he sold it cheaper. And then he did a lot of cross-promotion. So he endlessly promoted Sky in the Sun and the Sun in the Sky. And then he reaches a position that amounts to a monopoly. Then, yeah, the, the, the function, the legitimate function, you might say, of the press of persecuting politicians and making their lives hell mm. and um, dragging them across the coals when they are misleading the public. He uses that function to attack people who attack his monopoly. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm, the evidence, that's more of a matter of opinion. Based on my evidence, they would deny it. Yeah. But there's plenty of evidence that people who have tried to stand up to the sun in, in Parliament have been destroyed. That they, they, when I was looking at this, the Sun and the News of the World of Blessed Memory, which only did muckraking, they all feared the negative power of Murdoch. Mm. Right? He couldn't get you into power. Yeah, he, he couldn't. It, it was a mad moment when he thought the Green Party might be good. So they got behind the Green Party for some reason, <laughs> briefly, and it didn't make any much difference. However, they can destroy you. Yeah. Uh, and the great complaint of the Labour Party was that it had been used to destroy their leaders like shoot. Mind you, they had terrible leaders. I mean, mm. in an age of television, they were, none of them were televisual. Yeah. That's the other great rule of politics now. People who look good on TV win. <laughs> <laughs> and Labour was totally incapable of producing anybody who looked remotely good on TV until Blair. That's really interesting because mm. I was going to ask you about the, inf the pervasive influence about mm. the sun under Murdoch on elections and British politics because, mm. you know, it's, a, it's a, a maxim whether or not it's true or not. People say, you know, no one's won an election in this country without being backed by the sun. But it's interesting to hear you say that it's not a positive force. Yeah. You've got the maxim wrong because I think that's lifted from my book. Is it? And, um, is it? Yeah. Go on. The evidence is nobody's won an election when they're opposed by the sun. There you go. Yes. That's it. Yeah, they can go. They, they can go negative on you. Yeah. And they can Destroy just you. funny, vicious, beautifully photographed, clever, mm. witty, satirical stuff day after day after day. And by the time they'd finished kicking poor old Michael Foot about, who had no way of responding other than look scared, or or Neil Kinnock, who was just a terrible windbag, it was just like all their, all their Christmases at once, invisible person. And it was only when you got really Alistair Campbell, yeah. the kind of person you might have had on politics, Joe. He likes doing this kind of thing. We've had him on a couple of times. He's a hard, hard um, uh, person. In corner bastard, if and, you want to. <laughs> um, he'd be proud of that. Yeah, and, I know he would. Uh, he knew how to play the game, you see. Yeah. Uh, and he would turn the terrorisation machine back on them. And on the BBC as well. given and everybody. The, yeah, the topic of conversation. Um, I was told by people at the BBC when they were on the Today programme, which at the time, not, sure, not so sure it's as important as it once was, was regarded as setting the entire agenda. He would sit next to Blair, mm. glaring at the interviewer uh, in case they said anything that put uh, Blair in a, in a bad light. So he knew how to play the game. So we got our first ever um, Labour 
television president. It was a kind of like a Clinton kind of person. Without how 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 deep do you want to go into this <laughs> uh, digression? No, it's it's yeah. all, it's all right. It's interesting. I mean, we don't have to. Uh, it's interesting because I like. Hugh Edwards is the jumping off point, right? Yeah. But we can have a, a broader conversation. No, but it links back. Yeah. Because the only reason the son is remotely interested in Hugh Edwards is because he's on the telly. Yeah. Therefore, I mean, I got, I got the son today. First story is Rowan Keating. Ronan Keating. Ronan Keating. Mm. He's on the telly. Yeah. He's a TV personality, a mid-ranking one. Yeah. A bad day. Yeah. <laughs> What they want is the top... They want Bake Off. Yeah. What they want is that Mary Berry up to no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, use your imagination. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, exactly. It is. <laughs> it's that... It's all, And it's interesting to see that it's... Um, that's the mass media that it's catering to exists around as part of that ecosystem. But it's not necessarily... It hasn't done the same thing yet, really, with, let's say, social media. And no. you know, inf- social media influencers who you have can't huge, monopolize it. You, yeah, go you on. can't monopolize it. That's why Murdoch uh, isn't dominating uh, social media. Um, he he waited a decade, saying, "Well, I've seen this before. This is like CB radio or something. This is some fad, mm. and we're not going to sink a lot of money into this nonsense." The trendy people uh, in websites and all the rest of it, art school people. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wait until one of it one instance of the internet makes money then we'll do our usual thing we'll make an exact copy of it and we'll monopolize it he tried it with myspace Mm. which he eventually bought and lost a load of money so they don't really know what to do about the internet because it's very it's like the printing press to begin with any little business can have their own um own little printing press and they can get an audience Mm. So how do you monopolize that? Very difficult. I think... So maybe that's the end for the time. And also, but if you aggregate the internet, the inter- I'm going to look on the internet. Yeah. It functions like a gigantic, luscious tabloid. It's got all the key things. Porn. Mm. Uh, Sport. Scandal. Made-up stuff. Babies with two heads. <laughs> outrageous comment. Terrible stuff. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, archetypal, uh, the archetypal story that tabloids were always told to look for was man fired from cannon hits own wife. <laughs> you know, and that only comes along. You have to really fake that. Yeah. But you just have to pay people 50 quid to say it happened. Yeah. Uh, it comes along once in a lifetime. But, you know, you can have 20 of them in, in 50 seconds on the internet. <laughs> so how do you compete with this new monster? Uh-huh. They don't know. And that's why their circulations are going down. And they've cut all their staff. And really, they're just picking the last few bits of money out of an older generation. I don't know what the age profile of the son is. I assume it's fairly it used, old. It used to be very, very young. Yeah. And so it used to be, right, eight, if we're talking heyday of the paper, we're probably mm. talking 80s, Kelvin McKenzie. Mm. Um, what, you just, what you just said there about the sort, of, the sort of stories, their ideal story being the man out the cannon, etc. was that his? No, it was more Daily Mirror. So you okay. had the Daily Mirror before that. Yeah. You had the Daily Mirror. Uh, unrecognizable but that was a monster i mean that was before tv you see it was uh t as near as they could get to tv on paper yeah right so lots and lots and lots of pictures lots of stuff about film stars because there weren't really such thing as tv stars Mm. in the 50s and 60s um film stars uh pictures and funny old world stories 
Okay. That was their thing. Kitten in a wine glass. Man fire from cannon hits own wife. You know, jolly japes sort of uh, stuff. I'd like and to... then Murdoch came along and he made a much harder, much nastier uh, version for the boomers, mm. the new rising generation. I'd like to get a bit more into Mackenzie's personal sort of style mm. of editorship if we can. Mm. Because I think in the book you write that he sort of had a, a tendency to almost work backwards from a headline or a front page. Oh, yeah. yeah, rather than perhaps necessarily, you know, the actual story itself. Yeah, I mean, it's headline driven. I mean, in those days, um, basically the posh papers, the broadsheets, the Times, which in my opinion is now just a, it's just a snobbish tabloid itself, to be honest. But mm. um, the Times, the Financial Times, Guardian, these things hardly had pictures in them at all. And they had tiny headlines and they had loads and loads and loads of text. But these were reporters' newspapers. So the premium was on the reporters. So mm. the big stars were your, were your um, <clears throat> John Pilgers and people like that. Yep. Uh, and they would go there and they'd find stuff out and they'd be the first thing. Um, so the reporters had all the power and the subs to get tech, the, the production people, the yep. production team, the editors. Yep. Um, for a video generation or a social media the people who gather the material, yeah. not the people who then edit, edit it. it and put the funny graphics on comments and all the rest of it. Um, so the reporters, they had all the power. Don't touch my copy, they said to the editors. The editors were very low-grade people. They mm. just checked spelling and stuff. Tabloids were different. They were run by the production people. They were, they, their editorial meetings were not what's happening in Parliament today or how's the Ukraine conflict going, it would be what we're going to put on the front page that's funny and will smash the opposition um, in, uh, on the newsstands. Mm -hmm. uh, and someone would pipe up and say, yeah, well, I've heard that Hugh Edwards has been up to something. Who's he? Oh, okay, we're up for it. And then it would be especially good um, if it had punning potential. Uh, I will swear on a stack of Bibles that they have used the headline, I've got Hughes for you. Um, hypocritically, I've yeah. not checked. <laughs> but, uh, that would be the great thing. It'll and, be there. And, you know, if you went in down the corridor of the sun, in the place of the mounted rhino's heads on shields were these punning headlines that destroyed people just for fun. Zip me up before you go-go. That was George Michael. Wow. Um, sorry about that. That's all right. it, was a, it was a different time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I so, don't admire that. It's, it's filthy, rotten, horrible. Uh, so probably the most egregious case of that then, right, is um, Mackenzie's front page about Hillsborough. Yeah. I think I've got a quote here from your book. You call it the most, this is a quote, most callous and inaccurate newspaper front pages of all time. I, mm. Everyone's probably familiar with it now, but it read the truth and alleged that the 97 victims of Hillsborough were themselves responsible Mm. for what happened mm. do you think uh, well maybe maybe if you could start by telling us the story of how that came into being but also whether or not you think that those sort of loose morals and loose relationship with the truth under Mackenzie has outlasted his editorship of the paper well the paper's now a hundred times blander than it was mm. um, I mean you'd buy the paper in those days to see which new 
taboo um, had been destroyed, which new red line uh, had been uh, crossed. Um, because there was a sense of invulnerability. They had smashed their only realistic rival, the Mirror, in the circulation war, um, largely because the Mirror was run by a complete madman, um, an evil uh, madman, greedy person, uh, Robert Maxwell, mm -hmm. ble blessed memory, and his family. Let's not get into that. That's not. Um, we'd have to really reflect about <laughs> that before going any further. But he certainly ran the paper into the ground, so yeah. they had no opposition. Mm -hmm. um, so they were just they, they were just destroying people for fun in those days, I think. Um, now, um, so Mackenzie think right. What's the target for tonight? Which national institution? Which popular icon of the left? Um, can we drag through the mud uh, today? Uh, what about Liverpool? You know, Liverpool FC, the city of Liverpool. They, they, in, Liverpool was known in the 80s as constantly militant. Unions were strong, mm. very against Thatcher, who the Sun idolised and Murdoch idolised. So a planet's lined up. There was a commercial imperative and there was a prejudicial imperative, and it all worked as a piece of hating Liverpool. The Sun had very small sales in Liverpool to begin with, so there was nothing for them to lose. The Sun was the paper of the South and of Wyndon, Basildon, Essex Man. They had some sales everywhere, but the Mirror was still big in the North. Mm. It was older, more factory-working you know, more Labour, more social democratic, kind of fairer Britain. So the Sun was the paper of loads of money, Harry Enfield, yep. you know, yeah, Cockney scams and everything like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. Money mad, money making. And football came into that. Football came into that because, for example, football fans of London clubs like Tottenham, they would mock Liverpool fans as you're all on the dole, you're scousers. They would wave wads of money at them and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So the sun was getting into that vibe. So I remember that just before the Hillsborough story, the sun had beaten, was it Crystal Palace? It was a London team, 11-0 in the FA, FA Cup. It's a big story. It's a football mad paper. It's a tabloid. Mm -hmm. It was like two paras on, on, um, <laughs> on, you know, on page seven, not right. even on sports page or something. Liverpool have fluke win or something. <laughs> and um, just to show, screw you, Liverpool. So along it came. Right. And again, Mackenzie was out of control with this kind of power mad thing. So we're going to do the all-time humdinger thing. These people in Liverpool, they're always moaning. Uh, they're always what would now be called virtue signaling. Poor us. We're going to show you the real scousers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, people in the office that we spoke to would say, no, 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 no. Um, you know, at least put it in inverted commas. At least say coppers, maybe bent coppers, mm. <laughs> who are now a hundred years old, uh, told us uh, that this had happened. We have not seen it ourselves, Calvin. And we don't have any of those lovely affidavits. Going. Mm. <laughs> We're just, this is the say-so of a police officer. And he says, well, 
in front of a jury, I think the, the, the word of a police officer and a backbench rent-a-quote Tory MP, actually, um, who somehow confirmed it, or they were able to say he confirmed it, and that's all they had. They had the statement of the police, and they had um, a backbench MP, and that's not enough in professional journalism of any kind to justify that headline. And then the decked headlines down the side, which were about sexually assaulting the uh, ambulance workers, robbing the corpses, mm. um, urinating and defecating on the rescue workers, um, was, was, was staggering. Um, and as you say, there was not a grain of truth in There was some truth in... I'm going to try and put it as delicately as I can. If, if you're being crushed by the weight of a thousand people, what's that? That's ten, that's a hundred thousand kilos. Mm. You're going to emit body fluids and they're going to be all over the place. So there was a grain of truth in that way. And then they used all the tabloid skill in a way to do this monstrous uh, defaming of a whole city. They thought it was legally safe because in defamation law, you can't just defame a whole unincorporated group. You can't say the Chinese are all crooks or something like that. And then 100 million Chinese can't turn up and say, I'm not a crook, give me some money. Yeah. So, you can, so they were careful uh, not to identify people. Um, they identified the victims, which another, they had pictures of the people as they were dying probably. And the Daily Star also did that, another tabloid, even worse, horrible, horrible. Um, but they accused them, essentially the victims, of causing their own death because they're criminals. Mm. Um, and as you say, um, it was burnt on the streets. I couldn't think of a bigger instance of uh, a fake story. We call it, now call it fake news, mm. manufactured story. Um, in the whole history of journalism, um, certainly modern journalism, and um, and the sun was burnt on the streets, and it's been the most effective consumer boycott. So if you don't like the Hugh Edwards story, and you don't like page three, as was back in the day, don't buy it. Mm. They will stop doing it. Because ever since that, then, they've bent over backwards to try and be nice uh, to, uh, the, the, uh, to Liverpool. Mm. Uh, which, to their credit, they have uh, resisted uh, getting into bed with them. Mm. Uh, and now, even now, after 20 or 30 years, um, there's a still a slight dip in the stats. But for 10 years, it was an almost complete consumer boycott. boycott. And it costs them a fortune, not only in the lost sales, because they are pilot high seller cheap, but in the lost advertising revenue. So it, I worked it out accurately on the 10th anniversary without being boring and going back for the figure. It was tens of millions on one story. Impressive, really, isn't it? Yeah, Mackenzie had to apologise. Uh, um, his calculation might well have been, well, um, people in the South, yeah, your Essex man and your Tottenham supporter, your Chelsea supporter, your Millwall supporter, uh, yeah, of course, mm. Millwall, which Mackenzie himself claims to be a supporter of. Mm. Um, they're going to say, no smoke without fire with these scousers. Yeah. 
So by telling the truth, at last, somebody can speak up for the little man mm. about these loathsome scousers. Again, he's positioning himself as against the establishment, mm. against the politically correct, against this, on the side of the people who will call the spade a spade uh, and who are Millwall support, without going too further down that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was a kind of internal racism against Liverpudlian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I guess... Maybe, Many of you were black at all. Yeah. Maybe the final question for me then is about how much this behaviour is unique to the sun and how much of it is actually really sort of the unethical reporting. The one the example we just discussed is obviously the most egregious. There are other examples, many of the things we could talk about or reference. How much of this behaviour is something that we can chalk up to the sun individually? How much of it actually is part of a broader tabloid culture in this country? Oh, the, the impact on the practice of journalism of the sun was immense. Yeah. Um, it's almost almost like a, you know, AD and BC before the sun. Everybody has to be a copy of the sun. Mm. And that Murdochization has spread into the, uh, the Guardian, the Times, definitely the Times. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, a very lot of it is now TV, the agenda of the Guardian. It's about people who are appearing on TV. It's about celebrities much more. It's about lifestyle. It's about getting an angle, an outrageous angle on, uh, on the actual news. They've surrendered the news agenda, first to television and now to Twitter. Mm -hmm. And they follow up trying to get an angle. Like, frankly, we are doing now. The news was... This family had turned up with this affidavit about you, Davis, and we're talking about it. Mm. So that, and secondly, and now I'm going to seem really old-fashioned, the breaking of the trade unions removed a serious break on what, on the ethical behaviour of editors. Because there was a time when there was a closed shop in the trade union. Uh, in Fleet Street, as it's called, on the tabloids. And reporters could say, well, I'm not going to write that story about Liverpool supporters because there's not enough evidence. Mm. All we've got is the uncorroborated statement of a copper. And he's a rent-a-quote copper as well. He works for our agency guy. You know, he's, he's on the retainer. And some bozo back, you know, backbench MP. Uh, and that's not enough. We, we need some proper statements. We need our own reporter. And so I'm not running that. Mm. And then if they were sacked, there'd be a strike. <laughs> now, if you refused anywhere to do what the editor or any higher-up person in a, in a hierarchy, uh, even in a small independent producer, one suspects, <laughs> then, uh, you know, the next uh, rolling contract doesn't roll anymore. Uh, and you may well be out of, out of the door with your possessions in a plastic bag and a very weak case for an industrial tribunal within mm. the hour. Certainly at the sun you would be. Mm -hmm. So the breaking of the unions is a big part of the story that's ignored. Is, this will be my last question, yeah. is, is the sun wholly at fault here? Because for me, I don't know about you, uh, there's a voyeurism here as an audience. As, yeah. as the public, I, I think for, uh, the most recent example or a recent example I did a story I did a story on was Caroline Flack and Love Island and how everyone's sort of telling each other, you know, hashtag be kind. We've got to look after each other. And it's sort of, OK. Yeah, fine. All well and good. But the reason 
the interest in people like Caroline Flack exists is because you want to read the story about her. You want the inside line on her life. And I, I think may, maybe I've got this the wrong way around, but if there isn't an appetite for this kind of information, the Sun doesn't publish it. Of course. And so, <laughs> philosophically, my standpoint, which who cares what my standpoint is, is try not to moralize about anything, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a business, and their business is turning the prejudices of the British public into money. <laughs> That's all, all it is. And some of those prejudices are horrible and probably should be banned. Uh, and some of them are mild and vaguely stupid. Mm. Uh, but they trying to guess what the people on their way to work in the few remaining jobs that there are in the country. Um, and they can't be bothered to get on the phone. They're not allowed to get on the phone for some reason. They're driving a train, for instance. Mm. <laughs> so there's glance, they're driving a train and they're glancing at the sun. <laughs> Don't do this at home. <laughs> uh, and what, what does that person want to hear? And if you can guess that, Accurately, a fair play to Mackenzie. He probably did chime with not the whole, with a minority, but a big minority mm. four or five million people who believed that the country was being run by pinko, woke, killjoys, and establishment this and all the rest of it. And, uh, uh, and he was on the side of uh, great. Uh, liberalization particularly in the sexual thing and that's come to pass I mean people are very calm now about uh, behavior you know sexual behavior uh, younger people in particular that would have been a huge scandal um, even in the 80s so mm. th things have changed that's another reason why they there's you know, far fewer scandals to uh, to um, hypocritically uh, Report poke, your f uh, poke your finger at these days I suppose Chris, Horry, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I really Pleasure. appreciate it. Yeah, good luck with that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to that interview with lecturer and author Chris Horry. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to the Politics Joe subreddit for good faith discussion and memes. See you on the next one. Happy. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.